All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 5, Episode 15 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I am your host, Brock Segan. We've got Dylan D. Berthium with us here. Uh, Dylan, no Biebs right now, uh, but he will be joining us soon. Can't wait. But let's just jump right in. Everybody knows who you are. We don't need to introduce you too much. Um, Mike Babcock, obviously fired from your Toronto Maple Leafs. Brennan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas decided to let him go. Um, the one thing that really stands out to me, uh, obviously it seemed like there was a clear disconnect between the GM and, and the coach For sure. uh, in terms of philosophies, and I think that's kind of where it all fell apart. Uh, it was funny. I don't know. Did you end up seeing the that video clip of Dubas from like four years ago? Yeah. Like it, I saw if you would have like – if you would have said like this was recorded today, like right. after the firing, like I would have believed you hundred yeah, like, percent. Yeah, <laughs> talking about the impact coaching can have on a team and a coaching change. Yeah, and like and it literally sounds like, well, yeah, like if the coach and the GM don't see eye to eye, it just doesn't make any sense. And then like it was just exactly basically what was going yeah. on in Toronto. So yeah, and I, I mean obviously Babcock, you know, still one of the, I mean a great coach of all time, right? Probably a, still going to be a Hall of Fame coach Absolutely. Uh, at the end of his career. Uh, and Dubas knows that too. And I, I think that's, you know, he talked about how disappointed he was in himself with the whole thing that they weren't mm-hmm. able to make it work. And he takes a lot of responsibility for that. Um, which is very commendable. Yeah. And I, I mean, they uh, obviously, like you said, they didn't see eye to eye. 
Um, a lot of people want to point to how stubborn Babcock was, and it's true. Uh, he mm-hmm. definitely was, and he was definitely uh, set in his ways and his philosophies and wasn't as uh, keen to opening up to what Dubas was doing and how he was building the team, and that's where the mess started to happen, right? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, obviously he hasn't always been considered uh, a player's coach, Babcock. He could be, <laughs> no, Mike uh, Commodore was definitely... Uh... Yeah, yeah, he can be a hard guy to play for. And I think, you know, with those coaches in particular, the message does run stale, especially yeah. when the winning uh, dries up a little bit. Um, and I, a lot of this goes back to the end of the playoffs last year, right? When Dubas had the chance to endorse Babcock uh, the day after mm-hmm. Game 7, and he elected not to, probably because he was really looking into... Uh, firing Babcock at the time uh, and and moving on. And I I think he would have preferred to do so. And my inclination is that it was likely uh, Shanahan who uh, put the block on it at that time. Um, Obviously, looking back now, you'd prefer the new coach coming in in the offseason, being able to establish new systems over the course of a training camp as opposed to 20 games into a regular season uh, like they're going to have to do right now. But um, yeah, nevertheless, like you said, it comes down to a difference in philosophies and this wasn't a team built for Mike Babcock to coach and Babcock wasn't about, uh, to mend or change his coaching style or adapt his philosophies to better suit the roster. He was trying to make a, make it work with what he had to try to fit the type of hockey that he wanted to play. Um, and I, I just think to that extent, he ended up losing the room a little bit. Um, I, I gotta imagine, uh, what little players, or what little, I mean, I don't want to say respect because I'm sure he still has the respect, but admiration or that they had for him kind of went out the door before the first game of the season, right? And scratching Jason Spezza mm-hmm. uh, in favor of Nick Shore, which really didn't make any sense at all to do on the first end of the season against his former team. It was a whole thing. The optics of it just, just weren't seems, good. just doesn't seem like something that needed to happen. No, it just... seemed really unnecessary and more of a message to the GM than anything else, yeah. right? That, you know, I, just because you sign these guys doesn't mean that I'm going to play them the way that you want them to play. And he was, you know, like I said, set in his ways and uh, a little too stubborn in, in the end. And it ended up costing him. But, you know, not really. He's going to get paid the remainder yeah. of his $50 million, Probably end up coaching somewhere else pretty soon. Cost him eight, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well, wherever he wants to coach. Seems like he might want to take some time off uh, at this point. Uh, but me and you talking about a month ago about how he's going to be the 2019-20 head coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, and we saw this coming from a mile away. Looking more likely than ever. But um, yeah, so it's all unfortunate. But I, I think as far as the organization is moving forward, just with how the team's built, they need a coach that's going to put a focus on speed and skill. And, and Sheldon Babcock Keith just wasn't that. is clearly the guy for Kyle Dubas. Like now, like, Nepotism at its finest. But yeah, it's worked so far. And so. it has. And <laughs> now, though, I guess the... You know, everything that had happened leading up to this was kind of just thrust on Babcock, um, where now the spotlight is clearly on Kyle Dubas. This and the is, players, This is right? his yeah. guy. If it doesn't work, then, you know, he, he's going to be, you know, right. feeling the hot seat a little bit. And those four players that are taking up yes. half the salary. Yeah. And they got to start producing a little bit more. And uh, I think, it, the, to me, I thought it was a little bit early, but at the same time, I think, uh, like you said, it's so much about how stubborn Babcock is and he is not an easy guy to play with we, we've heard that time and time again but he's the type of guy that if you're winning games you can put up with it but when you're not right. it's got to be frustrating yeah. and um I think the problem where the big problem was that you have like Dubis who's kind of like his own special GM analytics base very heavy in the analytics like him and um yeah we we haven't seen a gm like him before right of his age and and babcock kind of is stuck in his way so like they just didn't mesh right like it seems like 
it was kind of destined to fail from the beginning because yeah. it was like there's you've got this one guy who's so committed to the analytics and Babcock is so been doing it for 30 years a completely different way mm-hmm. and um, obviously you know it's I think it would be difficult uh, for a guy like Babcock to be like you know what kid <laughs> for you know be- uh, lack of a better term you know. Th- this is how I do it. This is how you do it. Let me do how I'm going to do it. And you kind of saw those comments with him the other day, right at, uh, right before he got fired, saying, you know, I'm going to bet on Mike Babcock because that's yeah. what I've been doing for, for my yeah. whole life and, and um, see how it works. Yeah. It worked to this point. And but. to your point, uh, a few weeks ago, he was asked about, you know, the, the challenges of coaching in today's NHL and how it's different from when he started. Uh, and he said the biggest thing for him and the biggest challenge is kind of deciphering through all the information that's available to him and knowing what to take in and, and what to apply and, and what to kind of push aside. And I, I think that probably, not that it didn't sit well with Dubas, but I, I think he would want a coach that would at least understand the numbers a little bit more and know which ones that are important and which ones that really paint a picture of how the team's playing and, you know, line up with the eye test. Um, and again, it just comes down to a different philosophy, but I did think that was a pretty telling quote. Cause I don't think, um, you know, some coaches are have as difficult of a time deciphering through which information or which stats or analytics to, right. to apply to their team, like Babcock. It was. just it was kind of humorous the whole thing because it was like they were both kind of like very vaguely taking shots at one another, like all the time. It yeah. was a very like hostile, like poisonous environment. Really, yeah. like, the way like the relationship did, it, just wasn't great, and it just got worse over the summer, right? Yeah. And like, like I said, it, it, with Dubis not endorsing him the day after the regular season, basically left him out to dry for mm-hmm. two weeks. Just rampant speculation about whether he's even going to be the coach at the start of training camp. And I think he finally came out a, a couple weeks later and uh, confirmed to um, Bob McKenzie, coach, yeah, yeah, still going to be the coach. But he left him hanging out to dry for two weeks, and you. I, it, Myrtle was talking about it in a column he wrote for the Athletic last night. He's like, it was either intentional or it was reckless, and it was most likely intentional, right? And I, I, I don't know if it was to. I don't think it was at least to send a message, because uh, that would be kind of bordering on on reckless. But like I said, I think he had an honest intention of assessing the job and uh, hope, I, you know, wanting to move on. I, I think there was a clear want then for, to move on, and I, I really feel like uh, Shanahan or at least upper management probably put a block on it at a time, and mm-hmm. they were willing to give Babcock at least one more season. Um, and you know, if they couldn't get past the first round again, I'm sure that would have been it at that time. I, I think that was kind of the set benchmark for this year. Um, and then just with the struggles out of the gate, losing six in a row and the message becoming stale and Babcock just repeating that the effort and the execution wasn't there, even when nights when the Leafs were clearly the better team on the ice. And, you know, that's the part of the message that has to get stale as a team and, uh, has to get frustrating when, you know, you you've been playing for this guy for three or four years and not once can he fall on the sword for you. Right. Like every single, every single time you come up short, he's going to point to effort and execution. That's, that's the type of stuff that's going to come up short, right? Babcock's always going to bet on Babcock, but um, every once in a while, I think the coach has got to assume a little bit more responsibility and Mm -hmm. take the heat off the players, especially in a market like Toronto. So I think that's part of what uh, kind of worth in on the players and the organization as a whole. Yeah. Okay, we're not going to talk about too much longer here because you know we are still a fantasy hockey podcast. Sure. We'll kind of get to the implications of the of this whole thing on a minute, but uh, I guess the one thing that is just so crazy about this is like it was so wild, like especially for me as a Red Wings fan, how you know just a few years ago it was like, oh, how do you guys feel about you know we're going to take Babcock from you, and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> like you know whatever he's been our coach for a hundred years, take him, fine, and then he gets paid all this money, and it was just like it never. You know, they get all these good players, and it just never seemed 
like this is how it was going to end. And then like it kind of all of a sudden in the last since the playoffs last year started to bubble up. But it's just it's, yeah. And, and I guess the last eighteen months since Dubas took over for Lamorello, right? Yeah. And then it comes and then it comes into like uh, you know obviously another disappointing uh, playoff performance. But then even this year like this is stunning really like it, it really is crazy and and i'm yeah. me and you specifically have talked about this quite a bit how lucky the maple Leafs have been when it comes to staying healthy over the last couple of years mm-hmm. and that has to help contribute to the success when you've got you know your stars in there for 80 to 82 games every year um they say for matthews but even he was missing 10 15 games a year yeah. nothing nothing insanely crippling to a season and then this year they've they've kind of run into it i mean you, you've had uh tavares miss a lengthy period of time you had marner miss a lengthy period of time and then yeah. you got you know some depth pieces going down as well yeah it's riley been, uh, apparently battling through injury which yeah. would make a lot of sense too we've like, seen from him so far and maybe it's a it's a product of ha- never really having to play without these guys but you know, you see teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins, no Crosby, go out and still win games. You know, the Blues still rattling off wins without Tarasenko. They've been able to kind of win without these guys, and Toronto just hasn't been able to. It seems like uh, they haven't been able to figure that out, and maybe it's just because they've been playing healthy for so long. It's just it's bizarre, it, like because they they do have talent. Uh, you know, they did okay when Tavares went. It's just it it's weird how bad they've been it, it, it just it kind of is just stunning to me yeah uh, and I'm sure obviously as a, you know a Leaf fan it's it must be dreadful to watch but um let's talk about Sheldon Keefe coming in I'm more of a process guy so you yeah. know I, yeah. long-term and, and, goal 20 games into the season and it's did I think I sent you the tech or the tweet I can't remember I apologize if uh the whoever sent it originally uh listens to the show I highly doubt it but um it was the exact same day that the St. Louis Blues made a coaching change yeah. a year ago and they went on to win the Stanley Cup so hey it's not all um, negative right now. I mean, yeah. if you're into that, but uh, it's just—it's a process. It's November still. Uh, this is a team clearly with enough skill to go and rattle off ten in a row, and then you know you're you're you know right back in the division. Yeah, the uh, difficult part, like I said, is going to be working and implementing new systems in the middle of a you know 82 game season. So, yeah. uh, be interesting to see how it all works out. Um, for me in particular, but uh, look good so far tonight. Yeah, one nothing. Let's let's talk about uh, Sheldon Key for a second, uh, and maybe Chief just Keith. Kind of the Leafs um, key players in you know as a whole. Uh, first big change we saw was Keith elected to go with a two defenseman, three forward look on the top power play unit. Obviously, uh, Tyson Berry up there with Morgan Riley, a huge boost to Tyson Berry's value. He uh, is the immediate benefactor. Yeah. Uh, of this move. Um, with Mitch Marner being out, Ilya Mikhaev moved up to the second line. Maybe he's a guy that kind of starts to flirt with fantasy relevancy. He's played pretty well this year. I think, you know, as, as poorly as they've played at times, he has been uh, a pretty big bright spot for them. I think he's he's played, uh, he's kind of exceeded expectations to this point of the season. Yeah, a, a bit of a goal route, uh, or a bit of a goal drought right now. But, um, you know, for the first 10, 15 games of the season, he was the, really the only secondary scoring they were getting, him and Kerfoot. Um, but yeah, speedy player, uh, good two way player, um, big kid too. Yeah, and uh, good shot, decent just, finish. Because some, sometimes you get these guys that come up and it's like you know you think they're ready and they're not. He's shown you know that he's ready. He's a capable NHL player. Yeah, for sure. and I think you know it's just nice to see him get a chance in the top six. I think we know what we have in captain at this point. He's probably about a twenty to twenty five goal player maybe 30 goal upside if everything goes right Couple bounces. Um, but a guy that's you know a really strong two-way player and probably adds a lot more to your lineup playing on the third line than he does the second or first just really helps lengthen out the lineup uh, and then moving Jason Spets at a third line center uh, Spets has you know been as <laughs> as uh, 
strong offensively as any Leaf for the last four or five he's games. He's got goals and back-to-back coming into tonight, I yeah. believe. Yeah, and he's, is... he's just looked really good, so it's it's nice to see him get that opportunity. It's something that I was calling for. I mean, obviously, uh, Kerfoot has the ability to play the wing, so it makes a lot of sense that they would shift him over there, and now he still has the versatility to move back to the middle should uh, something happen, be it another injury or, or what have you. Yeah, no big, you know, massive line changes to really speak of. So it's not like, you know, he didn't come in, uh, try to reinvent the wheel, kind of kept things very similar. But the one big thing, obviously, Barry moving up. Um, and I think uh, it bodes well for somebody like William Nylander as well. Still playing with Matthews. And he was the third forward with Tavares and, and Matthews while Marner's out on that top power play unit. So yeah. Nylander's a guy um, who's still not really getting it going offensively. But I think he's a guy that you can still maybe try to buy low on right now because... Um, you know, you write the line matching, uh, looking for five at five v five advantages every day, and and Leafs number one line, with, you know, with Matthews um, and Nylander have been fantastic. Yeah. That production hasn't really been there. I think Matthews only got one goal in his last six, but they're gonna start getting it going. The, well, yeah, the, the, and he still has fourteen goals in the season. I think Nylander's got sixteen or seventeen points, right? So, uh, yeah, there's more upside there, and they really haven't been uh, anywhere like bad for the you know, the entirety of the season. Uh, and yeah, it wasn't a big surprise to see him leave that line alone for now. Cause it was the one line that's clicking right now. Um, Cause uh, yeah. So Janssen up there as well. Interesting thing is Janssen moves down to the second unit and Nylander stays up on the top unit, right? Yeah. Cause um, that was one thing we saw with Babcock this season was there was a real preference for having Janssen there and playing the net front. Uh, looked like in practice today, Nylander was playing the bumper and Tavares was actually in the net front, well, to- which Vera- makes a lot of sense. He was Tavares awesome. Tavares in the there. net front was fit, fan, phenomenal, sorry. Yeah, last season. I was stuck was, between phenomenal it a, and Yeah, it was a huge thing. part of that. Uh, you know, Kadri was effective in the bumper role um, and it, he was kind of the perfect fit for it because, uh, you know, uh, plays really well off the puck, and I think he understood that he's not the one that should be really creating plays on that power play. Um, so he fit really well in that bumper spot. And yeah, Tavares was, you know, as proven to be one of the one most of the effective net, net front players in the moving NHL. Moving off, right? that didn't make a lot of sense. But yeah. uh, all right, quickly, Beebs just rolled in. So hi, yeah. Beebs. I've been sitting here for like two or three minutes, just kind of listening. Um, I debated when to jump in, which is not looking for a nice rollover. Well, I'm what sure his, vol- his mic is just set terribly yeah. right now. It is. So. It's not very good. So we're going to fire it over to the Blue Stones. When we come back, we'll talk about all the fancy stuff because, yeah, Biebs' mic is, I don't even think it's on right now. But uh, enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here in 60 seconds where we're going to talk about a plethora of players that are, you know, they're playing well, maybe not getting the love, uh, and, and kind of we'll talk about how sustainable everything is for them. So uh, enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here, all of us back together here for the second half of the show. Enjoy the Blue Stones. Broken down, so I walk the line. I drop my wounds and I die. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. I fly low like a broken arrow. The time slows and my vision narrows. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Sing your hearts out, sing it loud. Make me happy, make me proud. Black holes, solid ground.
episode 15 of the Daily Faceoff podcast. This is the fourth time we've tried this. Beebs, how does your mic sound now? Give me them good levels. Much like the first episode we did of, of the Daily Faceoff, our career, we are doing this four <laughs> times. It's just it's a homage to, uh, to what was happening there. But I'm back, the glue to the show. Don't you worry. Um, no. Nobody was worried. Everyone's like, oh, shit, second half. That's so funny. I, I just listened to the first episode not that long ago. Not good content. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny listening to D recording on, like, his HP computer. <laughs> it's so bad. It literally sounded like you recorded on a mic. We were in our old university house. We tell our roommates, like, boys, walk, like, slow and no no cooking anything too crazy right now. I remember hearing people, stuff. like, sometimes just, like, popping off downstairs, like, uh-huh. probably playing chow or yep. something. Oh, yeah. It's like the boys just a dorm room if we ever had to do it off. nights before like we, we had some bar nights um, oh, at yeah. university and we, we, had to, like, we had to do it friday before, sometimes so Who? yeah we couldn't Me and you yeah mm-hmm. yeah no. sorry late study nights when yeah. we were studying and and sometimes we had to do shows so we would uh we would have a party going on in other rooms but that's why we've grown up and now we got our studio I, some Who time, grew up? some yeah some of those some of those episodes we've uh not me we've improved <laughs> but uh, all right Let's talk about guys who have been playing exceptionally well. Their own percentages maybe don't quite reflect exactly how good they've been. Uh, so some of these guys are going to be available in your leagues. Some of these guys definitely aren't. Um, maybe you can use this as a tool to, to buy low or trade high because we're basically just going to talk about the sustainability the- of some of these the players' uh, production so far. So we're going to start uh, from the highest owned percentage down to the lower owned percentages. So let's start off with David Perron, who I don't know where I've been. Uh, this is the guy that won me 2K on DraftKings, so i, I got to show some love for him. Brock likes him. But 20 points this guy got. 20 points. Nine <laughs> goals, 11 assists, 22 games, 20 points in 22 games for David Perron. So uh, right now... Quickly, I'll run over the, uh, the the numbers that we always talk about. 53 shots. Shot volume is you know a lot better than where it was sitting last year yep. uh, when he had just 112 shots in 57 games. Uh, shooting 17% right now on a shooting percentage of 14.5. So definitely some red flags there, but is there something um, that you know shows us is relatively sustainable? D, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, you know, it's interesting because he's kind of been overperforming for a few years now, uh, dating back to that first year <laughs> That's what in it Vegas. feels like, eh? Yeah, I mean... Uh, 50 apples in Vegas? Yeah, nine goals, like you said, 11 assists, 22 games. She's shooting tw- uh, 17% right now. Um, you know, it's going to come become a trend in this segment. A lot of yeah. these guys uh, super fortunate right now, which is why we're talking about him. Uh, he did shoot 20% or 20.5% last year. Um I think that was in about 50 games. Uh, career 12.7% shooter. So obviously he has an above average shot. Uh, but to me, the shot volume is still a, a tad underwhelming. Uh, his on ice shooting percentage also high at 14.5%. Uh, so some regression coming there as well. Uh, he's a valuable fantasy player, especially considering his usage, playing over 18 minutes a game for the first time since the 2013 14 season with the Edmonton Oilers. Oh. I know, right? forgot about that i know yeah and that was like five years ago i know i thought one of you would um but yeah that usage not going to go down anytime soon with tarasenko out uh so i'd expect him to return around a 60 point pace from here on out not quite a point per game player um but certainly you know a valuable fantasy player considering i believe dual wing eligibility and yeah who leaves as well yes um i'm right there with you i don't think he is going to end this year as a point per game guy but i think he's going to do exactly what we've seen these last couple years And, and like you said the um the usage is just there with the injuries around him and 
clear confidence with him on, on all top units. Um, basically what it is for this guy is the health thing. We've seen him the last couple of years go down for 20, 30 games. If he can stay for a full 82, it'd be great to see him, you know, put together, see what he can actually do. Um, I do, I love him as a sell high candidate right now, even sure. though he is going to do, um, you know, he could, he could easily keep up, not easily, but he could keep up this pace. Um, but at the same time, if someone's offering you a top end winger, someone who's, who's struggling a bit, I definitely would say move Braun. Um, and as you mentioned, the shooting percentage, a little bit of a red flag, but yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be a common theme. We're in gonna get real repetitive with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's gonna be some red flags throughout. But I mean, some some, some guys, guys are able sustain. to sustain, uh, you know, slightly higher shooting percentage, which we've seen David Perron do. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of upside here for me. I mean, like we've seen kind of where he's capped out. Yeah, career. not a big goal scorer. Um, the, sh- the the shot volume is really kind of what sticks out to me. Um, you know, he could probably fire, you know, 150 shots from here on out and even add just a 12.7 career shooting percentage. Probably top, uh, cap, you know, tap in another 18 to 20 goals, which would give him uh, a shot at 30 for the first time really in his career. Yeah, it's just the health. That's it. Cause he and should, that's he the thing. Though, to me, it. like, I, yeah. I, I would definitely be looking at That's why I want to move him now because, you know, you you know it's not going to last. Well, you don't know, but it's pretty it's, yeah. You know, trends over the last it's couple of years. Latang esque. Yeah, but he's a, a lot more heavily featured in the power play now with Tarasenko oh, yeah. as well, he, right? Um, it's boosted his value significantly. Yeah, yeah. And I, even before Tarasenko went down, he was putting up uh, almost a point per game there, too. Yeah. So it, 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 I, um, yeah. I, I don't love him on O'Reilly's wing. Benten uses more of a shutdown line, and they actually haven't created a whole lot of offense at 5v5 this season. Um, but obviously there's a chance he moves up at some point to play with one of Schwartz and Shen, um, which would probably help offset some of this regression he's seen so far because the scoring chances just aren't quite there, but he's going to be continue to be heavy, heavily utilized in all situations. Um, like you said, not a big goal scorer uh, typically, but uh, a, a premier assist guy. So if you're in leagues that uh, you know kind of equally award goals and assists, yeah. uh, definitely probably a little bit underrated in uh, those such leagues. Definitely someone if you have the a week like this week where it's a heavy Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday slate, he should be in your lineup no matter what if he is on your team. Um, I, I, I just we've, well. we've talked about how wingers are. And, and, and like you said, where he's at in that lineup for now, he should, uh, yeah, you know, he's he's outperforming what we all thought. Anyway. Quickly going back just kind of to what you said there, D, um, we've already kind of seen the potential for somebody like Perron to move up with Shannon Schwartz with Bozak moving to the wing on the first unit. So they're yeah. clearly trying to find some answers there. I know Robert Thomas had three apples tonight, so maybe he'll end up becoming the answer again. Uh, he's yeah, well, ready. they just moved him to the middle tonight, actually. Yeah, and so he's been playing well uh, at center for, I think this is his second game uh, in a row he's played at center, and they, they've kind of they said that they're going to commit to him at center, so that kind of opens the door uh, for somebody like Perron to move up, which is awesome. And uh, if, if, if Thomas is picking up three apples in a night, you know, I yeah, think center's we'll, working pretty well for yep. him right now. Uh, let's talk about Riley Smith. We talked about him a little bit last week. Um, he's still only 67% owned. He's the leading goal scorer in Vegas right now. 10 goals, 7 assists, 17 points in 23 games. Uh, again, uh, shooting a very high percentage, 18.2% on a shooting percentage, 14.1%. Almost identical numbers to uh, David Perron uh, through the early portion of the season. Beebs, what do you think? I mean, Riley Smith's a guy who we have seen uh, put up really serviceable fantasy numbers the last couple of years, yeah. uh, specifically his first two years in Vegas. So are uh, you still buying in here? Uh, I'm not quite. It's just, uh, again, as you mentioned, right off the bat, the 18%. It's even more red flag for me than David Perron just because Smith, you know, we've seen him top out at 53 through 70 games, which is not bad. That's You like that. Um, but it's just... Um, 
I, I, I don't know. I think that's more where he's at. With this hot start, we could definitely see him surpass 30. That's, that's not out of the question. That's kind of nice. But um, I definitely see him coming down to earth. And uh, and we've talked about it. There's just better wingers in that on that team that can take – Top end spots, and he, he's not playing PP one right now. I don't even. I should have checked they, that. They kind of like a PP one. Yeah. yeah, it's like a weird one B. Yeah. yeah, and and again with Perron, we didn't love the shots, and if, if we're not loving the shots with Perron, we're certainly certainly not loving them with Smith. Smith's played one more game, has only three more shots. Um, you know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, unsustainable for me. I, I think we saw the real Smith last year. Yep. That nineteen goals, thirty four assists, and seventy four games. Um. Rocky mentioned the on-ice shooting percentage and personal shooting percentage. Uh, obviously expecting some regression there. I think he settles back in around a 55-point pace. Uh, worth the spot at the bottom of your roster, thanks to how shallow the wings are yeah, this for year. Sure. Um, so yeah, yeah. if you can get some sort of value from him, uh, maybe a guy that's going to creep more into the 60, 70-point range. Also, um, I'll correct myself. I said 53 was his career high. That was just last year. He had 60 a year before. Sorry to yeah. cut you off, D, but... Uh, yeah, so I mean, we've seen him kind of sustain an above average shooting percentage on ice shooting percentage for a full year for sure, but I hear he had a much better head start than what we've seen so far, um, even with how good he's been this year. So uh, yeah, I don't love him moving forward, but certainly uh, a guy that's I think should be owned for a full 82 games, and oh, yeah. uh, but more of a sell-high target for me. Yep, I agree completely, and uh, he's one of the guys we talked about uh, as potentially being in danger of losing ice time with Alex Tuck returning. Yeah, but I mean, it really hasn't happened. Yeah, yet. And our our thought was they would kind of look at bolstering the top six, and actually, what's happened is kind of the opposite, and they're uh, lengthening out the roster and yeah. going more of a strong top Cody nine. Yeah, second, dropping Stastny down to the third line. Too, that he has more points on the penalty kill than he does on the power play. Um, I think that's sustainable because he has three points on the penalty kill and only two on the power play. So uh, yeah, super sustainable for us. Riley Smith currently on pace for eight shorthanded goals this year. <laughs> <laughs> that that's something you see every year, right? Yeah, uh, this is a guy that I don't really believe in, so we'll just jump right into John Gabriel Pajot, who just uh, got red hot in the last week. Come on, short guy not supporting a short guy, Come but on. but everybody seems to be jumping all over uh, JG right now. Thirteen goals, four assists, seventeen points in twenty-two games. Uh, obviously helped out by a, a hat trick in New Jersey. Uh, just over a week ago, uh, then goals in each of his last two games as well. So he's got more JG, goals than Connor this month. Yeah, JG's ridiculous. Hot, and Connor's got two hat tricks. And JG's yeah, JG's got ten. Connor's at nine. It's ridiculous. He plays massive, massive amounts of minutes. Uh, his last two games, both over twenty minutes a night. Uh, but to me, shooting twenty five percent doesn't seem really. <laughs> Doable for a whole season. So, D, no. what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the guy's got 13 goals on 53 shots. Uh, obviously not going to be able to score in at that pace. Uh, and I, I think the one thing we need to mention here, too, he's a likely trade target for Ottawa, mm-hmm. or I, I guess a sell, selling point for Ottawa, uh, assuming they you know, they, they slow down a little bit and <laughs> fall out of a playoff games. spot. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and you got to imagine wherever he ends up, it's going to be on a contending team that wants to use him as a third-line center. He's a very good two-way player. Um, but just not a lot of long-term fantasy value here. I'd be looking to sell high if possible. Uh, like I said, terrific two-way player, but doesn't get that ideal usage that you want out of a player with straight center eligibility. You mentioned he's playing, uh, like you said, over 20 minutes the last two games, uh, but still barely sniffing any power play time. Uh, incredibly low offensive zone start percentage, 35.8%. Uh, yeah, so I, I just think we're going to start to see his ownership uh, plummet, and you know I think he'll be below the 50% uh, plateau by the new year, and, you know, borderline 25% by the end of the season. So 
Uh, yeah, if you can get any sort of value for him, do yes, it. Otherwise, yeah. just enjoy the ride while he's red hot. That's kind of what That's I was exactly just going to say. Exactly yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not the biggest believer in Because the net looks like Smith. a soccer net for him. Really. Yeah, he's Absolutely. tipping stuff. He's literally just standing there and it's hitting like the, the, the middle of his stick and going in the <laughs> shaft and just yeah. like, he didn't even know. Oh, pucks in the net. JG. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I mean, I'm not the biggest believer in Perron Smith. Uh, certainly not Pajot though. Like this is if you can get just anything for him at this point. Straight center eligibility too. So yeah, it's like where like, are you it's really? It's gonna be gonna... hard to trade him, but if you could just like literally anything would be great. Uh, I think we've got believers in us in the next couple guys we're gonna talk about. Uh, let's see how this goes. Though date. we've got Thomas Tatar. We'll start with you, Biebs. Uh He has seven goals. 13 assists for 20 points in 22 games, leading the Montreal Canadiens in points right now. Mm. Also leading them in penalty minutes, which is a bit interesting. I don't know how that happened. But, uh, yeah, 12.1 shooting percentage is actually below his career average. Uh, and the 13% on a shooting percentage, a little bit high. But Tatar, always been a guy kind of hovering around fantasy relevance when he was with Detroit. Really playing well in Montreal right now, but still only 65% on where do you see Tatar moving forward? Tartar Binks. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Star Wars lately, so I had to throw (laughs) that one in there. Um, 58 points is his career high, and I think he's going to beat that pretty easily this year. Um, As you mentioned, Brock, that 12.1 shooting percentage is below his career average, and and the theme that we mentioned in the last three guys was they were just highly out shooting what what anyone should be doing, so that, that bodes quite well for Tatar. Um, we saw Druin go down with the, uh, what was it, his hand the other day? Wrist. Um, wrist. That, that was it. Um, that helps Tatar just get more usage as much yeah, as it does huge hurt around, uh, does hurt, you know, not having a, a high end guy on the power play playing so well, but a 30 for 30 season is not a stretch at all from Tatar and something that, um, you know, people who, where you got them, you're, you're going to love having it. I don't He's think a free agent pick yeah, mostly. I don't think anyone's going to offer you enough to get your value yet but i do think it's a guy where if we're sitting here in a month and he's still doing this which i do think he realistically will um you can absolutely trade him for for someone who's struggling maybe midpoint of the year which is ridiculous but um <laughs> or just just like we said with the with pat joe just kind of enjoy enjoy what you got at this point but it's definitely something that's sustainable for we've sure. seen tatar show flashes um sh- what is it he was one of my favorite players flashes in the pan i know you absolutely loved him and, and we we we've We've talked highly on the podcast about him. He is a natural goal scorer, and it's someone who just has kind of needed, you know, a solid surrounding cast. Yeah, and it's, never was it's the crazy that Montreal is providing he got pegged, it. He got pegged with Gustav Nyquist as being the next Euro Twins in Detroit to take over for Datsuk because Zimmer never really lived up to that expectation, but he's been able to kind of carry it uh, in Montreal. Yeah. Still he only talked- 28. That's wild. Right? He feels like he's been there forever. forever. Yeah. The, the thing is, and D, I'm sure you'll touch on it uh, a little bit, it's just the fact that Drew has out helped so much because he, he was – Heavily featured on that top line before Drouin kind of took over there for a week and a half. Yeah. And then now it's, you know, solidified. Yeah. And I mean, Tatar to know Gallagher has been their top line, um, you know, for probably 80% of the game since the start of last season. So I think they were going to get back to it eventually either way. Um, I like Tatar a lot. Dual wing eligibility on pace for 216 shots. Uh, like you said, Brock shooting percentage reasonable on ice shooting percentage a little bit high, but uh, really not that high when we're talking about a guy that's at a nearly point per game clip right now. There's a lot of room to fall off and him still be a very effective player. Uh, the real problem for me, and I mean, it's a 
just depends how you look at it, I guess. He's playing under 16 minutes a yeah, night. Just um, a bump in ice time could be enough to offset any dip he does see in his shooting percentages. Uh, but the problem is there's no sign of that coming. Even with Drew on sideline, like you guys talked about, Jatar still played under 16 minutes uh, in his last nine games. They just I think. love to roll four lines. And they, yeah. Because and they working. can. They, they kind of yeah. have three. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, 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 th- I still think he's a legitimate 30-game player uh, with this kind of usage. 30 goal. Uh, 30-30, sorry. He's getting a 30 game. Yeah, yeah, he could do it. Uh, But the Habs balanced approach to the lineup, like you said, uh, just puts a cap on his upside. But if he ever ends up in in another situation, whether it be in Montreal or maybe uh, another team next year, uh, like you said, free agent, right? So um, could get moved. Definitely one to watch, yeah, if he ends up somewhere where he's going to be playing 17, 18 minutes a night and be heavily featured in all situations. Uh, A lot of upside here, a lot of upside. Reminds me of some of the guys like, uh, you know, Timo Meyer, some of the other guys that we talked about where – it, we've seen them break out once they actually get the ice time that their play warrants. And all it takes is, you know, I, I mean, you never, you know, it, it could happen anywhere, but it takes one guy going down in that top nine and that could just be the minute he needs or the, the extra two minutes he needs. Um, yeah, it's just, they they rely so heavily, like the Dano line, obviously, which Atar has been great. Yeah. Uh, but then they rely so heavily on Cockney Emmy and, and Domi's line. Yeah, now as you should. Yeah, yeah. That line. But, yeah um, and then you the, have Nick Cousins, Jordan Wheel on the fourth line, yeah, right? Exactly, so. yeah. Nate Thompson, they play him a bunch. It's right. Just, they play four lines so easily. Evenly, it's it's kind of tough for him to stand out. Uh, the thing is, though, despite only playing you know fifteen forty eight a game through twenty two games, on pace for a career high in shots, which we love. Um, and you know he was getting you know yeah, was, and that was one of his issues early in, yeah. or oh, earlier oh, in his career, right in Detroit, never scoring yeah. because he would barely shoot the puck. Yeah, but when he would, but when he would, we liked it. Uh, okay, Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, wow, a little not bit of the next year, twin Red Wing theme here. Fifty eight percent owned, which is a bit surprising. Uh, Tyler added another goal uh, this evening, I think, to bring him to nine goals, twelve assists, twenty one points in twenty four games this season. Uh, coming into tonight, uh, shooting seventeen point eight percent, obviously a little bit high, but shot sixteen percent last yep. year. Uh, playing just so much, nineteen minutes thirty five seconds. Red Wings top lines. Literally he looks all- awesome. Like I love watching. That top line is just honestly so. Good. It's like. Yeah, I hate admitting it to you because it's just, I'm ne- I, you know, screw Brock. Well, but I mean, like, like they're, they're Yeah, like, they're really fun to watch for 18 are, of the 60 minutes. Yeah, and when the other shit the other three lines are just getting <laughs> shit pumped. That's yeah. probably it. It's the offset Dude, of, they, of how bad the other three are compared to the how. Like, you're like, oh, wow. So yeah. coming into tonight. But we've been calling for it. We called for it all last year anyway, so it's yeah. nice to see. The it's three good, of them. it's good to see them keep them together. Yeah. Blashill's been doing his job. I love it. I, just, I like Blashill this year. He's been and credit to the players too because if they didn't get off to a good start, you know, yeah, the well, lineup would have been in shambles in five years. And like something about just like the dude with the flow with no teeth just crushing it. Like, Being I, a Bertuzzi. Something about that I love, yeah. Being a Bertuzzi. They got to trade him to Colorado. Anyways, Brock, keep going. You no, it was just... Um, coming into tonight, there was three players in the entire NHL that had no points at even strength while playing over 200 minutes, and two of them were Red Wings. Their depth is just a shithole. Franz Nielsen and Adam Ernie just no <laughs> even strength points. Yeah. And that's like they're like the staple Steve of their Stevie Wise boy, Adam Ernie. Yeah. But uh, Nielsen got an assist tonight. Loves so. having the Burton Love to see it. lineup. Break it down. Uh, I like Bertuzzi a lot Love heading Bertuzzi. into the season, uh, but it's pretty easy to see he's overperformed to this point uh, in the year. Shot volume just isn't there. Less than two shots a game right now, but he has shot all right, 17.8%, so the goal totals right, obviously has been at this point. Uh, obviously very high, not usually what we consider sustainable. Of course, you pointed it out, Brock. He did shoot 16% over 73 games last year. Uh, so not the first time we've seen him score at an above-average clip. Uh, I like his chances of a 60-point campaign. Uh, there's some obvious regression coming, but he's glued to the hip of Larkin and Mantha. 
Uh, and, you know, we just talked about it. That line's doing a tremendous job of creating scoring chances at even strength, uh, all playing together on the power play as well. Um, and that top power play unit is pretty good. Like, yeah, they're out there. It's good it's, enough. Like, it's good enough. Definitely doing things for It's sure. good enough Five where being there, you know, brings a little bit of extra fantasy value, obviously. So, um, yeah, I don't expect to stop anytime soon, but you probably got this guy either on free agents, like you said, or. Uh, last or second last round so um, I would just keep reaping the benefits because I don't think really there's a lot of name value here where you can really sell high on a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi Um, yeah so you gotta love what he's brought to you so far dual wing eligibility he's gonna continue to be a useful fantasy player uh, but just don't go expecting a point per game for the rest of the year yeah um, I think you know this is a guy who applies for our put some respect on his segment consistently um at 59 percent, we got to get that ownage up yeah um, it's crazy yeah i can't i can't add much more on it's actually pretty impressive that he that he's managed to keep his plus minus at just strictly zero um on how bad that team is but again we talked about that line being quite dominant um they're the only line that doesn't get scored on in yeah Detroit. <laughs> absolutely we saw it work at the end of last year um we mentioned we're just glad to see it together and it, and it yeah, he had like 15 points in the last 12 games. He went on an absolute year, tear. So. He, he was winning people championships. Even as a Red uh, Wings fan, boy. I don't think I could have ever like foreseen how good he's been so far this year. Um, I mean, 20 points in 23 games coming into tonight, exceptional. Like I, I yeah. mean, even my highest expectations for his point production wasn't really anywhere near this pace. Um, but. Uh, I think maybe some of that had to do with Blashill just being a fucking donkey more, more sure. times than not with his lines. <laughs> uh, this year, he's, he's kind of kept them together. Uh, his seat's probably feeling a little hot right now with uh, Mike his Babcock Babs go. lingering out there. But all right, Ryan Strom, 57% owned. Uh, kind of just an afterthought for you know the Oilers uh, and, yeah. and you know basically all fantasy owners, but... He was just one Mika's advantage at injury nope. away from playing with Artemi Panarin and being a fucking fantasy god. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Strom, 19 points in 19 games. Uh, the the Rangers, David Quinn, their head coach, has already come out and said, when Zibanejad comes back, like, Strom and Panarin are staying together. As they should. Because they've just been, they've been yeah. fucking electric. So funny. We got a one for one to announce. Ryan Spooner. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Spooner is just Ryan in Strong. Germany or something. Yeah. I don't even know where he oh, is. Wow. I'm going to look that one Good up while you guys deal. are playing. Uh, Beebs, what do you think? Ryan Strom, sustainable, obviously, uh, not shooting a lot, but whenever you're playing with Artemi Panarin, yeah. points should kind of just come with ease. They, they should. Um, they have, and they're not going to continue, but he is going to put up a career year. Um, I think that's pretty obvious. Um I mean, he's shooting 19.4%. If we're talking about guys on that... 31 uh, yeah, shots. Th- that's it. The 31 shots through 19 games. I, I When I was doing Never the research... Never been much of a shooter. I though. did a little bit of... I, I, I almost threw up in my mouth a little just reading that number. I was like, oh, that's just not great. But, um, I mean, as you mentioned, never been a shooter. Pass first guy. And, he, and I mean, that's what he's been doing. And you mentioned Panarin's going to put that puck in the net. Also, we've seen Kako really step it up lately as well. Um, we've seen some things happen. How many there. goals do you see Ryan Strom just score this year where Panarin just puts the nicest pass ever right on his tape, like one foot away from the crease? Yeah. It's just that's all you need. It's the only time he shoots it, apparently. Yeah, yeah. apparently. Yeah. That's when he's getting his 32 shots. But this is uh, this is a guy who's been in – it's kind of nice because he's only been in New York for 82 games total. Um, so is Ryan Spooner's in the KHL, by the way. As expected. Nice guess on German League. But uh, he was knows? in Switzerland at first, so I was, re- I was you know – Yeah. I mean, Could have been he's anywhere. not putting up a point per game in the show um, like anyway. Strom is. But um, <laughs> his yeah. team is hilarious. So we <laughs> dropped the name. Try to pronounce the name. 
And if anyone Tabu, wants to correct it. Tibu Polkinen leading his team in points. Oh, let's go. Followed by Drew Shore, Andre Kostinen. Yep. Island Andre. of Misfit Toys? Like, what Mark the Andre Grognani. Right. Ryan Spooner. I don't know any of these. Other so he's players. not leading. Oh, Stephen Elliott. Remember him? Uh, yeah, he played for the. I remember Mark Jonas Enroth. These guys. I'm are cutting wild. this off. So what you're saying is Spooner is not at a point per game in the K, and Strom is close. He's in eight the points in ten games in the K. But bring him back. Sorry, that team's just hilarious. Bring like, him back. Through these 82 games in the oh, Strom does have 24 goals. Yeah. Pick them up. They're they are, but hey, they made the Neil deal. What um, about how, what about when they got Adam Larson? Oh, wait, they traded Taylor Hall. <laughs> hey, the Neal deals the change. He's a quality top four defense. Ryan Neal, or Ryan Neal, James right. Neal for Milan Lucci. That one was That's, good. That was a good one. Change. Yeah. But they had to, like, like but our, I mean, did they really, nation, like, did they had, really win it, or did Neal just score eight goals? Yeah, in I was say, it's not over yet. Yeah. Lucci's oh. out there, you know. <laughs> Lucci's out there when the goalie's pulled. So what's Neil doing? Lucic, man, about. they love him in Calgary. I don't love Strom as much as you guys. I'm gonna get yeah, this. No, I was. I'm not done on Strom. I was. How are you not done? I, I'm just because. <laughs> I cut coming him in off with KHL Basically, what I'm gonna say is, you know, he's not a point per game guy. I got him. I got him more as a 60 point guy if he can stay up in that top unit, which is still phenomenal. And like JG Pajot, ride that shit. I just. Yeah, no, I just don't think his role is that secure. I mean, that's a nice quote from yeah. Dan Quinn. It's, it it's what you want to hear right now, obviously. Three off games. That's what I'm saying, right? And uh, I, I love him in the short term. Don't get me wrong. I'm dropping him as soon as he moves away from Panarin. Oh, I, I just I'm skeptical he spends another 60 games just glued to his hip. Uh, obviously, if they stay hot, you know, there's certainly a possibility. Um, but the Rangers have always been pretty fluid, and he seemed to really like Zibanej and Panarin together earlier in the year. Um, so... He loves I would not be surprised to see him go 20. back to that. Uh, the other concern to me is Philip Heidel. Is that how we're saying it? Yeah, it's Philip Heidel. I have to check every week. It is. Uh, he's boy. my boy. Don't know how to say his name, but my he's boy. boy. Uh, really so kind of cemented guy. himself at, with a role right now. Um, so Strom playing over 19 minutes a night right now compared to 15-54 last season. I just think, you know, just enjoy it while it lasts because I think he's going to be closer to 15 minutes once the bandage out is healthy, even if he's still playing with you Panarin. you got to try to, like, fire him over to Panarin owners. Like, that's, like, your only hope right now. Yeah, I think that's that's nice. Really I think he's got right wing eligibility yep. too, right? Yep. He's not just straight center, so a little bit of value there. Uh, like I said, still tremendous short-term value. Uh, once the bandage out gets back, even if he's – does keep playing with Panarin at 5v5. You know he's not going to be as heavy a feature on the power play. Could even fall off that top unit. Um, Especially with the way Kako's going right now. Yeah, exactly. So, Speaking of Kako, yeah, he's our next guy. Do you want to just go right into Yeah, I don't love Kako in redraft leagues. I think he needs to shoot the puck more. He's got just 32 shots in 17 games. Um, we, you know, we were talking about Strom. Basically in that same ballpark. Uh, he's been fortunate to shoot 18.8%. Uh, obviously not as strong of a playmaker as strong is at this point in his career uh and he's not playing with our Timmy Panarin he's playing third line minutes I don't think he's worth owning in standard Rejaf leagues nice to see him score some goals get the confidence up I think he's a really talented kid uh I think next year you know a lot of upside there pretty exciting but I don't see the usage there um I don't see the consistency there yet um 18 years old tremendous talent I'm not wasting or using dedicating a full-time roster spot to Capo Caco at this point in time. I will say, though, in his last Go ahead, you nine say games, yeah, he is averaging over 16 minutes a night. He is averaging two and a half shots per game, or close to it. Eight points in his last nine, and he's shooting a lot more. He got off to a slow start, so his numbers are kind of... like I mean, he had seven of his first... Uh, or 
sorry, five of his first eight games, he had no shots. So he's kind of settled in a little bit, I think. I think that he has some bottom of the roster value. Uh, to me, though... Just depends. Maybe in weekly leagues and daily leagues, I'd just be more prone to streaming this spot. I think you can get a lot more value out of it. Where you can get value, I think, is by trading this guy because he is so hot right now. I think that Kako is going to have a really good, like a really solid year, but it's still going to be kind of bottom of the roster type stuff. But like, you know, we talk about how some of these guys who are hot right now, like a Tyler Bertuzzi Beebs, you said doesn't carry a whole lot of name recognition. Where Kako, people love that oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. So while he's hot right now, while he's got five goals season? in his last nine games. I think you could. Well, he's getting a hat trick next game because look what happened when I chirped Hughes. No, right? look what happened when you chirped Jimmy Men. I was gonna say Jimmy Men finally got hot. I'm sorry. I chirped. I I, I brought. Brady Kachuk still hotter. Go ahead. Kako was my my drop um, when when we brought up cut bait a couple his, of two yeah. weeks ago. His was Hughes. I was I mean, Hughes. Yeah, and then and then he goes off on this bullshit. You know, five points in his last three or yeah, whatever. Yeah, thankfully New Jersey yeah. is still trash. So, so yeah. it's oh kind of just God. one game. Did you guys yeah. see Matt Grizzlick just absolutely oh. dance PK's two band? Yeah, I don't think Matt Grizzlick's like that good. Can we know? address? Uh, like, I'd be concerned. Is, is PK worth owning in fantasy well, right now at I don't, all? I don't. I don't know. I just. I, 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 yeah, no. I think D is too desperate of a position. I when you're talking through, yeah. if you're starting for D, I think he, I think he's worth owning. I'm so asking for sure. because I own him, so I'm like, yeah. Well, how many? How many D are you starting? Three or four? I remember just four. Yeah. It has to be on. like what's what's the alternative you know what i mean it's not great i know Mac but I, I just I, i'm like thinking not for other to people, jump like, sports but it's like odell beckham in fantasy right like too, or, too much talent yeah like yeah. who else you gonna start gotta get him on pp1 yeah i uh i just remember just going off on nhl.com's uh people they had him ranked at like the number five defenseman oh at, the which year. Was i was like pardon me yeah this we guy all barely did. plays that was half so the dumb year, and when he does he's barely good it's crazy that the Shea Weber trade's looking like it's a win right oh my now. God. For I Montreal. tweeted some That's shit out. Like, I, I tweeted something out like I don't know two years ago or whatever it would have been about like how like all those trades that Montreal made like Drouin, um, the Subban, yeah, the Patrady, and at the time all those trades and what the return was didn't look didn't very look good. good. And now it looks so. I I tweeted I'm like if this was one big trade I'd be like just thrown up. Yeah. In hindsight, I swear to God, at least one Habs fan every day like quote tweets it. It's just like this guy's a fucking clown. Yeah, they've been waiting. And like I look at him like not wrong. Yeah, no, yeah, it looks great now. They did is a clown and they did a great it, job. They did a great job with yeah, all those no, trades. So far, I, so you good. weren't the only one. I mean, that oh was, my god, I definitely wasn't. But like it was like a ninety-five percent agreement. Like I'm still skeptical. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's still, but like, still early. But like, they didn't get. I buried. mean, Shea's played well, but he's missed seventy percent of the games. Like. No, but it's not even so much about that. Like, Nick Suzuki looks like a real player. Um, Thomas. Tatar's yeah, the patch ready trade is a little points. bit. Is a little bit different. Just though. the whole thing in one looked so ugly. Like you know, I'd rather Jure, have Sergeyev. Sergeyev. Sergeyev hasn't really become the boss of the player. Domi Galchenyuk. Right? Yeah, exactly. None oh, of it is really. None of it's really kind of worked out as anybody expected. It's well, they got small. Complete opposite. You're right. So. It's our first line center. You're right. But, anyway. Uh, all right, Beeps, we're going to go to you for this one. Your boy, Andre Burakovsky. Yeah. Um, saw this guy lift in Windsor once. Fun fact. Anyways, uh, you just added Jim. He I don't was know so why. far away. He from doesn't lift. Yeah. No, it was wild. That's exactly. That's, no, he's not from Austria, but that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> he's got to like, be Russian, right? I was like, what are you doing in this city? Austria. But it was um, it's with Matt Martin. But um, anyways. Klagen for Austria. Last week. Oh, yeah. Nice guess. I 
Yeah, I should. Yeah. Anyways, um, the brush next up Thomas on my abs knowledge. Got to know where your random guys are from. But um, yeah, you should. Last week I was absolutely huge on Jonas Donskoy, and uh, for that exact same reason, this week I'm going to be just big on Andre Barakovsky. Um, he's definitely, definitely, um, you know, his shooting percentage at 23.8 is a little concerning. Don't see that happening. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't see 40 goals happening. He's on pace for that. He's also just been kind of every time he touches the puck right now for Colorado, he's putting in the back of the net. That's not. You know, it's not going to keep up. He signed a one-year bridge deal, so he's, you know, he's clearly paying for that contract. Um, it's a guy, though, that I, I think if he can keep this up, we've seen Colorado in the past break up that top line when Landis Cog comes back. We watched we watched it last year right before the playoffs, actually. They made it Randon, uh, McKinnon, and they were just kind of cycling people through. Um, so that could bode well as, you know, people start to come back. But as we mentioned on previous episodes, Ranton and skating, he's coming back. He's not far from a return. We've seen that in practice, yeah. but Landis Cog's nowhere close. And uh, and I could see, you know, them just stacking the top line again. But if not, you know, he's still in the top six, still useful. But that's where we see the um, the fallback. For now, I think you just got to you gotta ride it. Um, if you could find someone to make a deal with you for Burakovsky, he's not going to keep up 23.8%. I think the most important thing about this whole Burakovsky thing is that, like, and I know we're not the only ones. I know there's many other believers out there, but we were right about him. He's legit. He's legitimately good. <laughs> he is a good. He's a he great needed, player. He just yeah. needed to play. Like, dude, okay. And I'm talking. So he never played. Never fucking played in Washington. They never played him. He might as well not have been playing. Comes into Colorado. Great depth piece. Then gets moved to the top line. Plays 18 minutes for three games. All he does is score five goals. In yeah. Three games. And he's looked like sniping. Unreal. Sni- that's the thing. The other is- night, Calgary, walk in, McKinnon, a little pass over, fucking snipe show. He might Top not check. be a 23.8% shooter, but well, I he's no, realistically but- a 15%. He could be, you know, that's a bit high, but he, he could be one of those guys where we're looking at him, and like, he's, I- a, he's a legitimate goal It just feels good to not be wrong about him. He's yeah. legit. Anyways, what do you got about him, D? I'm going to reel the hype back in a little bit. Um, no, I just, no, like I you said, B, for where you got him, you got him off waivers. So. Not a 40-goal scorer. Um, just doesn't have the <laughs> shot volume for that. I mean, he's half a goal per game right now, so you got to say it. Um, averaging just two shots a game right now. Like you're saying, shooting 24%. Uh, do not love a season-long forecast. Obviously super valuable in the short term. Oh, yeah. Uh, if he's available, you got to pick him up immediately. Still there in half the league. So, um, yeah, as long as Rant and Landis Cog are out, it seems like he's pretty locked in. I'd imagine so with, like you said, five goals in the three games since being promoted to that top line. With McKinnon and Donskoy also on the top power play unit, like you said, uh, over 18 minutes. So, uh Grab him if he's available. Drop him once the Avs get healthy. I, that's how I really feel. I, I think he returns to playing somewhere south of 15 minutes a night. I don't love his upside skating on the second line with Nazem Kadri. I just don't think any line gets enough run outside of that McKinnon line to really be uh, a reliable source of fantasy value. It's the complete opposite of like the Montreal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Situation. They're going to play them 20, 22 minutes a night. Uh, unfortunately, is a good chance he falls back off that top power play unit, which yeah. plays probably 75% of the power play minutes. Um, it'll probably be, I mean, I'm assuming so. It's what it was before the, uh, the injuries happened. It'll probably be the top line, McKinnon, Landis, Carr, Rantanen, and then Nazem Kadri, uh, with most likely Kale McCarr on the point. So, um, probably going to fall off that top power play and it definitely going to fall off the top line. You would imagine, uh, who knows? They could opt for a more balanced approach finally with, uh, Donskoy and Birkowski stepping up. So, uh, obviously worth an ad in the short term, like I said, but if he gets moved back down the lineup, do not hesitate to drop him in redraft leagues. Just 46% owned right now. So, widely available. Yeah. All right, let's move over to the island. Let's start ripping through these guys a little bit quicker here. We're going to go right back to UD. Brock Nelson, 33% owned. 
I don't want to start with Biebs because I think Biebs has talked about him every episode for I love the last him. four episodes. Great first name, though. Yeah. Brock Nelson. Possession numbers aren't great. Plays a ton of minutes. Creates offense at a respectable clip. Uh, finally starting to see some extended time on the power play on the top unit. Could be a game changer for him. He's never picked up more than seven power play points in a season. That being said, that power play is not that great. Um, still, I think he easily built on last year's totals of 25 goals and 28 assists. Um, so certainly a lot of fantasy value. Definitely a guy that I would dedicate a roster spot to. Mm-hmm. I like his chances of notching his first 30-goal campaign. Definitely worth owning, thanks to being left-wing eligible in Yahoo Leagues. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, the first <laughs> star of the Toronto Maple Leafs versus Arizona Coyotes. Oh, my God. Is he going to come out for a twirl? If it was a home game, what would happen? They got like a blurry picture that they used on like from like MS Paint and yeah. just threw it on the That's got to be his LinkedIn profile Sports picture. <laughs> Honestly, that is the lamest thing I've ever seen. I can't wait to tweet this shit out. As a Maple Leaf fan, I can say wholeheartedly that is super duper lame. Anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Brock Brock Nelson, yeah, uh, 33%, a lot lower than it should be. Um, We got to be realistic with the expectations here, but like I said, that left wing eligibility definitely makes him worth dedicating a roster spot to in redraft leagues. Beebs, do you have anything to add about your boy? I I do not. I think he's an absolute horse in the middle. Like you said, the usage is there. and they're clearly showing that they can depend on him and just being that guy who, who can lock down other teams' top lines while he's there. Um, Brock Nelson, pick that guy up, 33%. Put some respect on it. This team's broken, eh? The, they're broken. Uh, the Islanders, like, what, absolutely. Is, what is going on? Yeah. They just can't lose, man. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, Brock Nelson, just super solid. Uh, but just not a super reliable yeah, but source of offense. You're going to love what you're getting out of him, and especially if he's available in 67% of leagues. It's ridiculous. Oh, he's so available. But, yeah, I just, I'm not a big so believer. I'm just, I can't buy in on the Islanders, as, at least from an offensive standpoint. Like, there's just not enough offense there. Okay. Uh, Brian Russ, 26% owned, currently skating on a line with Evgeny Malkin and Jake Gensel. He's been just absolutely red hot for them. Uh, what do you guys think about Brian Rust? Clearly going to keep up the point per game pace, obviously. Kitty, no, I love this. I, I was love, watching the broadcast the other day. They said, I think he's a 30 goal scorer. So. I don't know. What um, do you guys feel about that? He has the, uh, <laughs> he does have the wedding. Um, I forget who it was. Someone's talking about a correlation guys who get married in the offseason. They have like great starts the year. And that happened with Russ. I don't know why I know that. But, anyways, um, I love that you put this one in there, Brock. Because I had someone ask me if they should have Ehlers or Russ this week on their roster. And I think it's quite obvious you go with Ehlers. But with seven goals um, and 11 points in his first 10 games, he's shooting 22.6%. Unlike Burakovsky, who, you know, I'm saying is, we're saying might go down to about 14, 15%. I can see Russ going down below, or, you know, around 10%, uh, 12%. He's not a natural goal scorer. You can just watch it and see it happen. Um, he's been a revelation since coming back, but uh, 38 points is his career high. I think he's just mostly outplaying what he's doing. Um, he's a guy where you can enjoy what he's doing right now, ride him out, try to trade him if you can for literally anything that's worth a roster spot. For sure. I don't think you're going to yeah. get a lot of trade value for him. He's not um, gonna be a power play guy. He's yeah, he's the him. type of guy, like you said, I would just ride it out. It's always a game-by-game basis with Rust, uh, with how much he bounces around that lineup. Whenever he's on that first line, whether it be with Malkin or Crosby once he's back, he's worth a spot start. Seems locked into a top-line role until Sig gets back at the very least. So uh, I definitely think he's worth owning right now, but I don't think, like you said, Beavs, all of a sudden he's a point-per-game player or a 30-goal scorer for that matter. I think there's plenty of regression coming here, 22.6 shooting percentage, 15.6 on ice. So uh, temper your expectations, but dual-wing eligibility, uh, a lot of value in the short term. Does look good on that wing. Um Probably wasn't on the first power play unit though tonight with Patrick Hornquist returning, so just not a whole lot of value. Nope. Uh, but uh, 
you know, uh, as a as a streamer, fine. You know, crusty I'll, rusty. You know, I'll take it. A little more uh, than a streamer, as, right? As like as a as guy as you as probably as own as long as he's on the top line with Malcolm yeah, and Gensel, really right? Take him for another week or so. We'll yeah, see exactly. Where it goes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they're just ravaged with injuries. It's unbelievable. Like you got uh, Bukestad's now out for like eight weeks. Latang's out. Schultz out longer term now. Yep. Oh, it's just unbelievable. They're Crosby. Well, yeah, he's okay. Uh, Connor Garland out of nowhere. Uh, probably 11 of our listeners even know who Connor Garland is. And that's not even disrespecting our listeners. That's just, I don't think anybody really knows who this guy is. Uh, he has 10 goals, 4 assists, yeah. 22 games, shoot 19.2%. But uh, Connor, you got to love the 52 shots and 22 The best Connor in the NHL? He played... Best Connor spelled with one N. Okay, that's fair. Uh, well, only Maybe not. We'll have to look into it. I don't think we need to talk too much about Connor Garland. Uh, not really sustainable. I love do watching the things. Yoko. I do. I got me, a couple too. No, wait. Let me flex. I want I you to did flex. talk about Garland as a streamer earlier in the yeah. week in the weekly Monday yeah, streaming article on dailyfaceoff.com. Plug, plug, plug. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks to the Coyotes. They played on a couple of the slower nights this week. Came through with a goal on Monday. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's worth holding on to long term, though. Too many capable forwards on that team. His role, anything but secure, averaging just 13 minutes a night. Uh, still, bodes well for his upside. Should yeah. he ever lock down a top six role in Arizona or somewhere else? I just don't see that happening this season. I'm out on Garland long term, but some great streaming value this week and on the weekend. He's got yeah. a nice Sunday uh, contest. Yeah, he does. I'm also out on Congar, but, um, you know, I, you guys know I love junior stats. And uh, this guy who put up 128 and 129 in back to back years. That's no joke. That's, you know, that's that's a lot of freaking points. And uh, that shows that he does have that offensive ability in him. You know, we're going to need to see more ice time. The 13% we, or 13 minutes, we've talked about it for guys. You know, if we if we could see their time go up, it bode well for him. It's just, you know, I don't see his time going up. It's crazy to talk about how the Coyotes seemingly have a lot of depth. For the it's wind. crazy. Um, but, yeah, no, this is looking like a steal, in the, uh, steal from the draft at only 23 years old. It's someone they're going to – slowly work more in the lineup who's playing phenomenal right now but just don't expect he's it so keep. small and the guy works his bag off every absolutely shit. Yeah. goes in there and hammers guys too loves it I, know, I, 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 I don't care who you are if you're putting up 130 points in juniors something you're doing something we've seen it it always trans not always but it like 90 percent of the time translates <laughs> i don't know but that seems like a really high number yeah but, uh, well I, i'm talking 132 that doesn't happen quite no, often that's true. um Connor Garland, though, I like him, but, uh, yeah, just not a whole lot Not of this here. year, yeah. Uh, Maybe Okay, Robbie Fabry, years. we talked about him last week, 17% owned, uh, still staying hot. Are you guys in on Fabry at all? Like, I mean, yeah, uh, 25% I was shooting, like, this man. Can't, this can't really continue, yeah. but he, he's, he just keeps picking up. 25% shooting. I'm, yeah, impressed by what he's done so far. It's going uh, to be a big goal uh, scorer. Well, I mentioned the obvious regression coming his way on last week's show, 25 shooting percentage. Would you guess that his on-ice shooting percentage is higher than his personal shooting percentage? Well, 25.8. He's been in seven yeah. games as a Red Wing. Seven, uh, he's points. nowhere near a point-per-game player moving forward. And you cannot convince me there's a Red Wing worth owning outside of that top line. I, I am out on jump. Robbie Fabry. One, Couldn't have put it better myself. Um, you know, it's just it's a guy where he might be a nice streamer here and there, plays left wing, right wing, but uh, I don't want any of that. I think... Uh, that being said, Bertuzzi or Mantha in goes down. Robbie Fabry Give slides up to the top Fabry. line. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. But yeah. uh, no, with Valtteri Filippo as the center, I am not in. Sorry, I am out. He's yeah. so bad at hockey. Yeah, yeah. If Fabry's we're talking about though. grab anyone who touches Connor's oh, line, it's I'm the same with Filippo. So it's like <laughs> get away from anyone who touches Valtteri. Complete opposite. Yeah. Um, Robbie or sorry, Anthony Beauvillier. 
five goals this last no. three games, nine percent owed. Islanders can fit, continue to defy the odds. If we're gonna pump our tires about Birakovsky, let's talk about Beauvillier. This is a guy we were shouting out two years ago. Um, <laughs> I think he put out thirty six points in his rookie season, right? So uh, he's taking advantage of a huge bump in ice time, which is what we thought might happen last season. Finally. It did not. Up to seventeen minutes and thirty two seconds after averaging just over fourteen minutes a game for the career. Uh, I think he can stay on the fringe of fantasy relevance with that usage, but the shot volume has been more than disappointing. Just 2.2 shots per game, barely above the 1.9 he had per game last season despite playing over three more minutes a game. He's looked better of late, 13 shots in the last three games. That'll need to continue if we're going to seriously consider rostering him in standard leagues. Uh, As for now, I think he's a great streaming target when the schedule lines up for the Islanders. Uh, Dual wing, right? I believe so. Still, yeah. The one Um, thing that's crazy... Is I would have never, ever, ever guessed that Maybe. Bailey would be the guy that drops to the third line, and yeah. Beauvillier's getting this run. Like, this yeah. is, it's not something we'd seen. And it's, it, it's pours him out. It, it finally, Wins are alert, Josh It's Bailey. finally happening for Bailey, where he's getting the ice time and he's producing. It's going to be tough to maintain this clip. Obviously, not going to score five goals every three games, but uh, Bailey, as long as he's playing up there in that top six, not, not sorry, Beauvillier, yeah. sorry, as long as he's playing in that top six. There's got to be some value. I mean, obviously, I'd rather own uh, Beauvillier. Uh, he's only 9% owned versus Robbie Fabry, 17% owned. Uh, Connor Garland, 25% owned. Brian Russ, 26% owned. Uh, to me, Beauvillier is the most valuable of those four. Yeah. While you're shouting out uh, Josh Bailey, I'm pretty sure this week he became like seventh on the all-time Islanders yes, games he played list. Yeah. Um, he's moving up, and he's actually going to be moving up quick. So that's pretty crazy. Just never misses. Games. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, good on him. I got nothing to say about Beauvillier. Um, you, go, you boys hit it. He's always been your guy's guy, so uh, I'll let it ride. Last one, guy named Kirby. Kirby, Kirby Doc. Uh, number three overall pick in this summer's draft. Made the Blackhawks out of camp. And uh, he's been producing right off the hop. He's got uh, 10 points, 5 goals, 5 assists. His first 15 games has been absolutely red hot Looks as good. of late. Um, again, only 21 shots in 15 games, 23% shooting percentage, 20% on ice shooting percentage. The red flags are abound here. Yeah. Kirby Dach. I don't think, you know, we talk about guys, rookies. Keeper leagues, keep an eye. Difficult. I mean, you guys both wanted to drop uh, Capocaco and Jack Hughes a couple weeks ago, yeah. so I have a hard time believing you guys are in He's on a, a guy sh- who was picked strict center. right after them. Strict center. He has played some wig here and there. But, but right now right. in fantasy, he's 100%. a strict center. You guys didn't want Jack Hughes at strict center. You didn't want Capo Caco. You don't want to keep him on your roster. I can find more fantasy value on the bottom of my shoe and read, than Kirby Dak and read. <laughs> Kirby Dak. Is that um, what you have written down? No, I just came up with that on the spot. That's nice. why I butchered it. Looking but he needs to play more. The... Less than 12 minutes a game. Just 21 shots in 15 games. Uh, 10 points in 15 games really isn't all that impressive when you've been fortunate enough to have a 20.3 on ice shooting percentage. Yep. Uh, That's so any half decent hockey players over a point per game with that kind of puck luck. Not to say I, you know, I should probably tame it back a little bit. You know, he's obviously a very talented player. I'm he's not like saying 12. I think yeah, he'll be playing. The usage the isn't there, right? And that's what that that's reflective in the numbers, right? He's been very fortunate, and he still just managed 10 points in those 15 games. They should probably and that's because he's barely playing. 29 in the faceoff time for sure. Oh, and just being the straight on. center eligibility, it's just not there in redraft leagues this year. If you're a Blackhawks fan, you got to be excited about it. You love to see it this early in the career. Absolutely, certainly bodes well for future years. In keeper leagues, you know, obviously he should be owned uh, third overall pick when you showed this uh, kind of upside and offensive flash this early. It's exciting, but the numbers just don't suggest he'll have uh, any sort of value in redraft leagues moving forward. Uh, 
you know, assuming he doesn't get any sort of promotion to the top line anytime soon. Do you uh, guys think he plays in the World Juniors in a month? Ooh, that's pretty good. I, think, so. yeah. I, I think he does, too. I think it gets I to the point does. where he's not producing like this, and they let him go. So that's I where I think I it's... I think the one thing that we are also seeing a shifted uh, before we end this show is teams are kind of burning the first year of entry-level yeah, contracts now and not giving a shit. Before, it was like, we want him to play in nine games. Because guys are getting too got. good by the time exactly. the contracts are trying. Done, they're yeah. actually trying to speed the process yeah. up so that the guy's not putting up fucking 90 points in his third year's entry-level yeah. contract. Then you got to give him $11 million. It's almost like the Avs playing Cal McCarr in the playoffs last year wasn't on purpose. <laughs> like, so we've kind of seen people... Burning a year for two playoff games. ...completely reverse their philosophy here in an attempt to try to save some money down the road. Uh, and it is still, uh, you know, sacrificing some short term, right? You're yep. losing a, a full year of what is going to be an incredibly productive player on a rookie contract, right? Like we saw with Marner last year. It, it, it definitely which I think is a bit of a double-edged sword here. 100%. Yeah, but I mean, again, it's one year for the course of the next contract, right? So it's probably worth it in the long term. In the long term, I would assume that it is. Uh, and again, it's very circumstantial too, right? Absolutely. It, it, this guy could come up, he could play 40 games yeah. this year. But uh, and, and obviously Marner's not making $10.7 million if he's signing off that 60 or 70 point season, exactly. whatever it was, and not the 95. Burn a, burn a first year and you're good to go. But uh, all right, that was season five, episode 15 of the Daily Faceoff podcast. I'm Brock Segan. We got Beebs Bondi. We got Dylan Z. Berthium. Um, and we got Oddshark, the greatest sponsor in the world. So enjoy the Blue Stones, the greatest band in the world. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Wasn't here for the beginning. Loved being here for the end, though. <laughs> Peace. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.